This episode is brought to you by March of Dimes, who is still honoring National Birth Defects Prevention Month, which was January 2021. Go find them on social media and share the hashtag best for you, best for baby. Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you're listening to Pregnancy Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk about how a healthy pregnancy and baby are directly connected to healthcare, the economy, our culture, and our country's policies and politics. We talk about our families and our lives as parents and the ways that we work out our family and professional commitments. And we talk a lot about the ways our government helps or hinders those facets of our life. That's what this podcast is about. I'm an author, activist, registered nurse, writer, and parent, among other things. And every episode, we pull someone in on the conversation to tell us their thoughts and perspective on the topics we just mentioned. We are just a couple of weeks into this new Biden administration, and they're just getting started. But they're off to a hell of a start. When we look at the list of executive orders that... President Biden has either reversed from the previous president's policies or um, is newly implementing to meet immediate needs, it's awesome. He's tackling all the most important issues that have freaking plagued American families. He is reversing hateful immigration policies, setting plans and policies in place to reunite families who were separated at the border. He's reopening healthcare insurance marketplaces so people can continue to purchase insurance. He's putting a COVID relief package in play. He's addressing climate change and re-entering the U.S. and the Paris Climate Agreement. He's extending the National Housing Foreclosure and Eviction Moratorium until at least the end of March. He's doing a lot of work right off the bat that has the potential to drastically improve life for millions of families. I am both hopeful and grateful. There's one topic that's on almost everybody's mind most of the time. Money. How to get it, how to use it, how to spread it out to last a while, how to share it, how to grow it, how to keep it in motion. Money is currency. Currency is energy. And it's something we all need. But, you know, these are tough times for a lot of families, for sure. And as a society and country, I think think that we're really being forced to look at our values and decide if we're going to seriously put our money where our mouth is. Literally, people are hungry and scared. Now, you might say, what can I do? These are big problems that have to be solved at the top levels of government. And that's true. But some of the most immediate and desperate problems families face right now need to be addressed at the local level and even in your neighborhood. Hungry families need groceries. Overwhelmed new parents need dinners. Old neighbors down the street need someone to pick up a pound of coffee and some lemons at the corner store. But they can't go themselves because it's snowing and slippery and they can't make it out. The bored kids who live down the street and haven't seen their friends and grandparents in a year, they could use some cheering up. These are things you can do. These small, easy-to-do acts of service may not solve the big problems we all face, but they sure as well will, you know, they'll solve the bigger problems of what to have for dinner when you're out of groceries, what to cook when you're holding your newborn and haven't learned 
one-handed kitchen skills yet, you know, your service could provide a nice morning cup of coffee for an old neighbor and a spark of cheer for some kids who will truly love it. These are moments of service, and when done without fanfare or expectations for return, they're how we really make change happen on a person-to-person level. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about in terms of money is that even though it's a connecting thread in every single person's life, it's a topic that most of us know very little about. We're not taught about money in school or how to make it, grow it, save it, spend it, keep the currency moving. And then when it comes to teaching our own kids about money, we really have no clue what to do. On top of that, money is now mostly an electronic currency. We shop online, pay bills online, use a debit or credit card at the store. During COVID, some businesses even stopped taking paper money because it's passed through too many hands. So how do we teach kids the value of money and what to do with it when it's no longer something most of us hold in our hands? So that's what we're going to talk about with this week's guest. But first, let's take a real quick break. For 80 years, March of Dimes has helped millions of families survive and thrive. Now they're building on that legacy to level the playing field for all moms and babies, no matter their age, socioeconomic background, or demographics. March of Dimes is honoring National Birth Defects Prevention Month, which was January 2021, but they're keeping it going, with the theme, Best for You, Best for Baby, which you can follow and share on social media. Just use hashtag best number four you best number four baby. Protecting yourself and making healthy choices is more important now than ever for those who are trying to get pregnant in 2021. As we continue facing the COVID-19 pandemic, pregnant persons must take special care of themselves as they prepare for their baby. March of Dimes offers six tips to increase your chances of having a healthy, full-term pregnancy and baby. Just head on over to the March of Dimes website to learn all about them. That's www.marchofdimes.org slash ppnp. Okay, we're back and ready to get this week's guest on the line. Benny Nachman is the founder and CEO of Jazby Inc. It's a money app and virtual debit card for kids and teens that helps you raise money smart kids and start your child on the path to financial wellness. Benny speaks from his own experience as a dad and shares story, stories about teaching his son how to buy things with his own money, budget, earn, and save up for what he wants, and how to keep up with modern banking in a cashless world. Let's get Benny on the phone. Hi, Benny. It's Jeannie. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's a, a rare and beautiful, sunny January day in Portland, Oregon. Where are you located? I'm in uh, Massachusetts. So we had kind of a gray day, but, you know, no snow and it's not super cold. So can't complain. Okay. All right. All right. Well, good. Good. Well, I uh, introduced you before we picked up the phone today. But my first question for every guest is this. Who are you and what do you do? It's a hard well, question, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 not an easy answer, or at least not a short one. I know, I know. Uh, I don't need a short answer. Tell me the whole story. So I'm I'm an attorney by profession. I always tell people 
don't hold it against me. I haven't I haven't practiced in in many years, um, but I think in in my heart I'm uh, entrepreneur. Uh, that's that's what I, my passion is. It's where my passion is. Um, I had my first company, my first startup when I was a kid in law school. It was actually in the education, uh, you know, market. Um, and but but you know that's that's what I like to do. So. I went on after my first startup, I went on and finished law school. I practiced a little bit for a few years. And even, you know, part of my practice, I did um, I did corporate law, but I also did some banking-related law. Um, it was always not hardcore banking, but always like, you know, kind of the ancillary markets like uh, credit card processing, uh, KYC, which stands for Know Your Client. Uh, anti-fraud software, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the the drive to do business drove me to uh, join one of the clients, one of our clients at the office that I work, uh, worked for. And they were a payments company. So I worked with them um, in business development for a couple of years. And then in 2007, I started... Uh, my previous company, uh, which is called Credorax, and Credorax is uh, it's a global acquiring bank and processor. So that sounds, you know, it's a very big name and very big words. But what it means is that we process credit cards and debit cards and other payments transactions for merchants from all over the world. We do mostly online uh, transactions and online merchants. Uh, and we serve. So today, I started it in 2007. I was the CEO until 2016. Today, I'm the chairman of the board and um, still a large shareholder. And Credorx today is uh, 300 and something employees. We serve thousands of merchants. We have banking licenses in uh, dozens of, of countries around the world, well over 20. Um, we do billions of dollars of processing volume a year over year, growing. Uh, really, really fast still. Uh, so, you know, it was quite an adventure. Uh, and in 2017, I towards the end of the year, I started my current venture, which is called Jaspi. And it's still a fintech company. It's still in the financial services, um, you know, area. And what we are is that we are a mobile wallet and card for kids, for teens, and for the families. So we connect kids and parents and grandparents, three generations, and we help families move money. So uh, the idea is that the adults give money to the kids for chores, for allowance, for doing good in school, for birthdays, for holidays, really for any reason that they want. And the kids can then manage uh, the money and they can save, they can do good by, you know, we, we facilitate donations, but in, in maybe more importantly, they can also spend. So, so yeah. long-winded, I, I, that's me, mm, yes. Well, um, you know, part of the who are you and what do you do question, um, I always like to hear, you know, outside of your your working life, you have a couple of kids, don't you? I do. So, yes. Yeah, so, um, my wife and I, um, again, I said I, I, we live in Massachusetts. We actually moved here about a decade ago from California. We've been mm-hmm. in California for uh, for uh, about five years before that. 
And um, so it's my wife, myself. I have two sons, aged uh, 10 and 12, and three dogs. So I was, you know, we often see that huh. as entrepre- entrepreneurs, our careers evolve sort of with our place in life. And I'm wondering, did you start Jasby because your kids were getting to the age where you had to exchange money? So, yes, <laughs> I, I'm hesitating because. So look, the, the, it's it's always more complicated than that. And um, what happened is that that I think was the initial the initial thing that that drove me to at least look at this at this area, if that mm-hmm. makes sense to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it drove me to understand that there is something there. And then everything that I thought that I saw from my you know, own personal experience at home, I started doing research and, and I saw that this is uh, more of a systemic issue, if you will. So, so this is not just, just me or just my kids. Um, so the initial, and, and this is, you know, so this research and this, trying to understand the market uh, was what drove me to start Jazby. But the initial push is because I wanted, you know, my uh, my older son, um, I think he was in first grade or something like that. And he said, you know, dad, um, I think it's time that, that I get allowance. And then his younger brother always, you know, he enjoys everything that uh, that we do with his older brother. So he gets all, not all, not all, but most. Uh, so he gets like everything a little bit uh, earlier. So I started uh, making a deal with them that every Sunday I'll give them a few dollars as allowance. And I started noticing how uncomfortable. It's not easy to do. I forgot or I wasn't home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or I just, I, I I don't remember exactly how much I promised them again. It was a few good years ago. And um, so maybe six years ago, something like that. But I think at that point I told them, they were very young. And I told them like, I give you $3 every Sunday, something like that. And yeah. I... I didn't have $3. Like, you know, it came Sunday. And even if I didn't forget, and I was just like, oh, God, I don't have $3. And then I would, like, drive to the supermarket and try to give the cashier a 20 and get change. And you know what I mean? Um, and you needed one so that you could give threes to each of the kids. Yeah. Exactly. So that was, like, it was such a hassle. And, and then, and so, you know, I, I became, I started developing a whole system where my wife would help me and we would, Always like we had like a, a secret uh, drawer in the kitchen where we kept ones, so we always have a few. And mm-hmm. uh, but then when they wanted to use the money, uh, you know, they they shared like a tablet, like an iPad, uh, one of those small iPads. And most of what they wanted to buy was something around like a video game, and the cash didn't help them. So I don't know. I think after months or maybe a year or two of doing this. I started saying to myself, um, you know, man, like you are in banking, you're a CEO of a small bank. And like, if it's that difficult for me, it must be difficult for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I started looking into the market and, you know, and as the kids were growing up, another thing that was really um, strange to me, or, or, or I don't know, I, I, I couldn't figure it out as, you know, I think because of my job and we always discussed um, money at home or you know, I started telling you about um, about Credorax, and I said something. I don't remember the exact words, but we are a global acquiring bank and processing company. So imagine going to career day in first grade and saying this to a bunch of uh, six six year olds. Um, that's not an easy explanation of what dad does. You know what I mean? Right. 
Right. So I started coming up with all sorts of like easy explanation because even like, you know, community and friends and like people would ask me what I do. And it's a, it's not an easy uh, one sentence. So I started saying to people, you know, I, I run a, a credit card processing company and that's close enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't. And I guess because of my, of my job, we always talked about, I don't know, credit cards and money and how does that work and why do we need banks? Don't we need banks? And sometimes I would complain about other banks that we work with and sometimes I, I would praise them. But that conversation was always around the dinner table. And as my kids started going through the school system, I, I noticed almost with amazement how there was absolutely no conversation about money at school, like none, not, not at no. all. Yeah, no. And no financial literacy talk and not even like, no. you know. And so again, that, that little thing, I thought to myself, well, that can't be true, right? So I started looking into this and I found out that it, that it isn't it true. So all of this accumulation of all of those things together is what I think drove me to to Jasmine. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned financial literacy in school. If if we're not taught it in our homes, you know, where are people going to learn it? And I always think that one year at least of high school should be all about life and how to live. Teach money, health, relationships, communication, food, you know, the stuff you actually need to know to survive and, you know, do well in life, you really can get through life without knowing calculus. But if you don't know how to earn, keep and spend money, you're going to have some trouble. So agreed, really agreed. And I think, you know, again, when I started doing my research, um, you know, for JASB, even before I officially started it, uh, one of the things that I, that I came to understand is that we actually don't talk to kids about money at all. The vast majority of us don't do it in, in the household. In most households, money is is almost like a taboo. It's not being discussed. Yeah, it's, a, it's a private conversation. Yes. yes. And we don't do it in school. And for each of those, like, you know, so it's the private and the public maybe like domains, but for each of mm-hmm. those domains, I believe that there are various reasons and, and like psychological underlying like reasons why we don't do it, but we don't. Mm. And then, and this has been going on for a long while now, by the way. This is not, I don't know, recent. It's, it's a, maybe a couple of decades. And, um, and, and what the result is, I think we all see it around us, is that a generation after generation of kids that go out into the world and they don't know what interest is and they don't know what APR is and they don't know why it's not a good idea only to pay the minimum payments on your credit cards. Um, and it's not their fault. Like nobody ever told them. Right. So what were you taught about money growing up? And, you know, I'm curious if there were lessons from, you know, your childhood and your family that you wanted to make sure you didn't repeat, or were there lessons that you wanted to make sure you passed on? So, you know, that's a great question. I, I think um, there was no, so we did talk about money at home a lot, a lot more than I think what is probably uh, standard today. Mm-hmm. And it was, but it wasn't, so I'm not trying to say there was some, some organized or some uh, thought out, um, you know, hey, son, today we're going to talk about what interest is. No but curriculum. it was mostly about 
um, ha- not having enough. Yeah. So I grew up in a, uh, you know, I have this thing like half a joke that I that I said that you know we aspire to. When I was a kid, we aspired to be middle class, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, most of the time we were not. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was a police officer, and he passed away relatively, you know, young. My mom was a homemaker who never, never worked. So we grew up. I wasn't poor, but you know, a little bit above it. Yeah. Uh, so it was always, it was almost like a physical presence, you know. So you learn mm-hmm. uh, to to think about it and to um, and to worry about it and to plan around it because it's never enough. And and I know, you know, I think for the vast majority of us, it, money is never enough. I, 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 you know, it's it's still true, mm-hmm. but there are degrees. And I think that part of you know a lot of my drive or the way that i'm you know maybe chose a line of work that is surrounding this is is because of of this childhood um you know the way that i was brought up if that makes sense to you yeah so i i was always like you know very interested in money always around it had a job when i was i don't know probably 14 um, so I, I was always very much into understanding it better and how can I have more and, um, you know, grew up worried. So I think I planned more because I kept being worried about it. Yeah. 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 I understand that. Um, and I think that many, many, many families pass their financial anxiety down to their kids and mm-hmm. it's deeply rooted in a lack of financial education mm-hmm. and all of that shame and taboo about talking about it is the same shame and taboo that people feel about learning about it. So you're, you're providing a service that is really, really valuable. And I'm eager to see if going forward, we can, we can kind of break that cycle. So I'm curious, um, how do you recommend teaching kids about money management? through letting them experience it. So, you know, I'm a very big believer that a lot of, most of the things that we learn, we learn through action. We learn through acting. Um, Meaning, we learn by doing. Maybe that's the better way to do it, to say it. And, um, you know, when you go and... uh, you know, I always tell people, I uh, first time I had a golf club in my life, I was 40, 41, something like that. And my kids started playing with, they were like, I don't know, five, six, six, probably. So my 12-year-old now um, can drive better than I can. Like, seriously, even if he's, you know, shorter yeah. than I am. Um, but the muscle memory, the you know, the, the, the how natural it is for him to hold the club, it's something that at 40, it's very difficult to achieve. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's true for a lot of things. You know, when you learn something new, when you learn a movement in martial art, right, or something like that, the beginning is very awkward and you need to think about every little movement of your arm or hand or finger or whatnot. But then after you do it again and again and again and again, it becomes part of your subconscious and then you can do it without thinking about it, right? It's like learning to walk, like like almost anything that we do. Mm-hmm. And 
that's the best way to to learn. And the earlier you start and the more you do it, the more embedded in you it becomes. So I, I think, you know, if I call my kids now um, into uh, my, my office room at, at home and I'll tell them, you know, kids, today we're going to talk about uh, cumulative interest. Um, so maybe five seconds would, would go by before their eyes glaze and they say, you know, dad, leave us alone. Mm-hmm. And even if I make them stay and listen, they don't care and they won't remember and they won't pay real attention to it. But if I give them $20 and they now need to make decisions around them, then it's so much more important. I make, I make it sense to you. And the yeah. data shows, by the way, and this, this is for all over the world, not only the US, the data shows very, there's no question about it, that if you let kids uh, manage some money, they grow up much better off for it. So they become more financially responsible, they become more successful, um, and so on and so forth. So, so I'd say, say step one. What, yeah, when you say manage money, what do you mean by that? So I'll give you an example. You know, in I, I see most of our users, they set up allowance. And some people do it weekly and some people do it monthly or whatever. You, you can set it up the way that you want. Um, but I always recommend to people, you know, if your kids are young, younger, let's say, than middle school, um, I, I would do it on, on a weekly basis. Because what happens, even if you don't do anything other than give them $10, right? I'm just making up the numbers. You, each, mm-hmm. each gives as, as, as what's comfortable to them. But let's just for the sake of argument, you say, okay, here's $10 every week, every Sunday. Now... And, and you tell your kids, listen, so I'm, I'm setting up this auto allowance with, with Jasby or something else. And every Sunday morning, you get $10. But this is now your money. Don't come and ask me during the week, hey, can I get this? Can I buy this? Listen, man, it's your, it's your problem now. Here's your $10 from Sunday to Sunday. Make it work. Mm-hmm. Now, this forces them to budget. Without saying the word budget, without planning it, without, again, complicated uh, things, just it's how it is. And if they come to you in the middle of the week and say, hey, can, I, can you give me money? Can you give me your credit card? No, you, you have your $10. Walk it. And at the beginning, they'll make mistakes. But that's why I always, I like in earlier ages to do it on a weekly basis, because even if they make mistakes, and they will, the mistakes would be short-lived. Because next next Sunday it's uh, it's it starts all over again, right? It doesn't matter, right? You know what I mean. I As the kids grow up a little bit, so again, middle school and above, I think you can transform this into a monthly. Um, so now you say, however it is, uh, amount of money that you decide to give, and then you give them I don't know the first of the month, and it's the same kind of rule. You know, it's your money. You can decide why to buy with it or not buy with it, or maybe save it for something bigger. Um, but don't come talk to me about this until next month. I mean, I, I'm obviously exaggerating, right? If you want advice, if you want to ask my opinion, obviously I'll talk to you, but don't come ask me to buy something for you. You have your money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay? Don't come ask me in the middle of the month for a video game. You want a video game, buy it from your allowance. Okay. Or save towards it if you don't have enough. But so that forces the kids, like this is maybe the, the easiest uh, you know, ground floor to go into this, just give them allowance. Mm-hmm. Start weekly, and then based on how long you've been doing weekly and based on the age of your kid, obviously, again, a, an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old is not the same, 
move to monthly. Start there. Mm -hmm. What about, oh, there's a couple of things. Um, Do you ask your kids to do mandatory saving as part of that allowance? And then I wanted to also talk to you about allowances and chores. So which one do you want to do first? (laughs) So we'll we'll, we'll tackle it together. So I'll tell you what we see users doing and what I do personally and kind of, so it's like really two main groups and and there's some sort of, uh, you know, some people that do a little bit of both. So I see, I think most people, more than half, uh, do allowances. Mm-hmm. And and that's basically what I do as well, by the way. And chores are expected because you live here. Right. right. And so chores would be, I don't know, again, we have dogs. So every morning the kids feed the dogs, right? This right. is like their responsibility. And every morning, uh, you know, when the dogs are very eager to go outside to do their business, that the kids would take them out. Um, yeah. So again, right. they are old enough and... We have a little like yard, so so it's not it's not a big problem. So so it's their responsibility. There's there are many more, but I'm just giving this as an example. Right, right. And right. they're not getting getting rewarded for it because one, you know, they love the dogs and the dogs love them, and and because you know you live there, you live here, so it's expected. Right. Yeah. The That's other really similar. Pa- That's similar yeah. to how we did it, except for yeah. my kids didn't get allowances. We yeah. gave them. They did have to do chores and we gave them money or opportunities to earn money for important yeah. spending. Um, when yeah. they were so old that's enough, the other side. Spending. Yeah. Yeah. So there is another group of people that I think is a little bit smaller, but not by much, that say, we don't do allowance, uh, but you have opportunity. So we expect you to do things around the house and we'll yeah. reward you for it. And actually, you can do more and get more if you want. So there's like this basis that we expect you to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you now say, hey, but I also want to clean the garage or I also want to wash the car or I also want to do some other things, then if we agree, then you can earn some more. And that's mm-hmm. like it, it, it gives you a drive to do more and, and then get more. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I, I do. So I do mostly the allowance, but sometimes, I don't know, let's say there's a spring cleanup. You know, I, again, I live in Massachusetts. So the winter, after the winter is done, you want to clean up the yard and pick up uh, falling uh, I don't know, branches that uh, got buried under the snow and all of those kinds of things. So if, if you have a big project, so again, a spring cleanup um, that the kids would help with, then this is outside of the normal chore. So I would reward them extra for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's things like that. Similar system that we had. It worked really well. They, they knew to expect that it was just part of family living, that they had to help with chores. Yep. Um, and they didn't expect the reward. And, you know, we had some simple systems and routines that they knew. They knew what was expected of them. And, yep. you know, I never really had that problem of forcing kids to do chores. They did them. You live here. You know? Yeah, ag- agreed. But again, yeah. if so for me, I, I think the allowance makes this, um, and I make it a point, you know, um, I, I can tell you about a few weeks ago, just, just before the holiday season, um, or maybe, never mind, a few weeks ago, I don't remember exactly. Um, my kids, both of them have been saving for a long, long time. And then they, uh, they joined their resources together, the two of them, and they had just enough money to buy a pre-owned, a used uh, PlayStation uh, console, not not the newest one, the, the one from last year or something like mm-hmm. that. Wow. Um, so they, you know, they saved their allowance and 
and they walked on it and they planned it together. And then it was a big thing. You know, I drove them to, uh, I think, to a GameStop or something like that because, again, they wanted what they could afford was a used one and they sell them there. And they used their Jazby cards and each paid, you know, his share. And they came home with this uh, with this PlayStation console. And I can tell you that other than they were so happy because they mm-hmm. really wanted it, mm-hmm. they were also, you know, on the way back, they told me, you know, Dad, we bought it. Yeah, pride. And it's worth so much more than if I would just go and get it for them. Right. They bought it with their own money. They paid for it at the cashier. Like they paid, not I didn't. And That's it's, great. it's in, you know, it's it's empowerment. Did you have? Oh, you were using the app, so you you. You're missing out on that opportunity where the kid stands in front of the cashier and counts out their change in their dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's that's old school. Nobody, nobody uses cash anymore. That no, nobody exist. uses cash. Nobody uses cash. Yeah, there is, is no there cash an anymore. It's all called. <laughs> is there an equivalent moment like that with a cashier and a kid? Of course, because with they. Right. Um, so we support uh, contactless payments. Uh-huh. So they, my older one touched his, um, his phone mm-hmm. and he had to sign and he collected the receipt. Uh, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And you know how you have this, like when the payment goes through, there's like this little bling on the, on the, <laughs> on the, uh-huh. on the point of sale device. That uh, bling is for him. <laughs> exactly. Mm, that's sweet. That's very sweet. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Jasby. How accessible is it? Is it affordable and available to any family? A hundred percent. So one of the things that I was very important to me is that anybody can use it and anybody can afford it. It's completely free. Uh, So we offer the app. It's free to download. We offer a debit card for kids and teens. The debit card is free. Um, So nothing... You know, there's no long-term commitment. There's like, there's nothing, right? You can just download it and and get the card, and you can get the card running and working with a few minutes. Um, and then your kid has it, and and they can just use it. They can use it online, and you can do, use it in a physical store anywhere that contactless payments are accepted, which is everywhere today, almost everywhere, yeah. or at least yeah. everywhere that's important to kids. Right. Uh, and they can use it online, which more and more of the um, kids shopping or teenager shopping is moving online and very rapidly. And if anything, I think uh, COVID that we've been living for the in you know the last year um, yeah. have actually accelerated this. Uh, yeah, so you know there is absolutely no stop. And and I and it, it was important to me that there wouldn't be even the even the thought. Oh, I'm not sure I want it. It's now adding to my monthly expenses or stuff like that. So I made sure that it's free to use. Great. Great. Well, Benny, what else would you like listeners to know? Um, you know, I would love if you guys, all your listeners uh, would give us a shot. So go to jasby.com. It's spelled J-A-S-S-B-Y. 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 Jasby.com. And from there, you can get started. You can download the app. You can apply right online uh, for this debit card. You get it almost immediately. You know, you, you fill out some, some details, but it's a two-minute uh, 
yeah. uh, process and you get it immediately, right? It's electronic. You get an image and you get the guard number and you can add it to your Apple Pay and you can use it online immediately. Um, and I think it's going to be, I think it's great. And I think that it's a good excuse to start talking about money with your kids. And, you know, you can start small. And I think most people would be amazed on how great it is. So, you know, I started my, my initial, initial, uh, you know, drive for it is because I wanted to make my life easier. And mm-hmm. it does. I mean, we hear it a lot from parents that it's like they set it up and then they, for a while, they forget about it, you know, if they do it recurring. Mm-hmm. But you would see how empowering it is to your kids and for your mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And you see at whatever ages. So people tell me that at younger ages, it uh, eases out. It, it, it eliminates uh, tem- uh, temper tantrums. Because, oh. you know, it's like, uh, honey, you know what you want. You, you have your money. You, you decide. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not, no, I decided not to. Uh, it's too expensive. I don't want to or all of those things. It's a message of, again, empowerment. Mm-hmm. And with older kids, you know, as they grow up, you see how, again, the sense of pride that they have and, and whatever they do decide to pride. So again, everybody makes mistakes, right? So at one time, they'll buy something they don't really need. But very, very quickly, once or twice, you'll see it within weeks, they'll remember the mistake that they made because it was their money. So they remember mm-hmm. it. If it's your money, they don't care. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. their money so they remember the mistake and within weeks they start putting more thought about what they do and don't want to buy they start saving for big things that they want to buy without even you telling them my kids started saving for this playstation without even telling me that this is what they want to do hmm. they discussed it themselves and said okay this is what we want and it's again it's such a sense of pride that it's it's just amazing and it's great yeah. And how old are they? 10 and 12? Yes. Eight and 12? 10 and 10 12. And 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just give them a few years and they're going to be buying a car together. It, it won't be long. Not? Great. It won't be long. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Well, Benny, do you want to answer a couple of rapid fire roundup questions for me? Do my best. Okay. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Oh, man. I ask the hard ones, don't I? Nobody ever told me that. Uh, nothing is easy. Yeah, that boy, that's true. That sums it up, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. My last question for you then is this. Where do you stand in the world of fatherhood? Where do I stand? Where do you stand in the world of fatherhood? Answer it any way you want. Um, give example, give security. I'm I'm thinking of like what I think it is that that fathers should do. Mm-hmm. Give a good example, give a sense of security, um, but be demanding. Mm. All right. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation, and I've learned a lot as I think that our listeners will too. So Benny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing Jasby with us. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Oh, good. We'll talk again. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
That's it for this week, everybody. Thank you to March of Dimes, our sponsor for this episode. You can learn more about them at marchofdimes.org. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. And you can email me your questions at jean at jeanfaulkner.com. Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye.